All right. Well, good morning, everybody. So good to be with you. Thank you, John, David, Amanda, Evans, the rest of the team. What a great morning so far. It's just been beautiful. Um, hey, I, I am Jason Carlatini. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at Riverside, and it is a joy to be with you today. I do want to thank you. You gave me a really good excuse to actually get dressed, like wear real clothes today. Um, I don't know about any of you, uh, but actually it'd be kind of fun maybe in the comments, if any of you are really brave, to just go in the comments on Facebook and put the number of days in a row that you either wore, you didn't, you know, get dressed, you wore pajamas, you wore athletic gear of some sort, or maybe sweat, sweat, sweatpants, something like that. And no, the Zoom mullet where it's business on top and PJs on the bottom does not count as getting dressed. So go ahead and just put on that. I made it three days this week where I uh, didn't have to actually dress in a row or I didn't have to dress up like this. But anyway, just a quick little thing right there. Uh, also, I'll just mention real quick, wherever you are tuning in, if you'll just hit that like subscribe, share button, uh, then that would be awesome. It would give us an opportunity to share with as many people as possible about Jesus this morning. So last week was Easter Sunday. It was an amazing week. The worship team was awesome, did a great job. Pastor John gave us a great, beautiful message. Um, and the interesting thing that I always think about with Easter, I love it, it is beautiful, but I always get in 20 years of ministry, I get this question more than ever that's kind of associated with Easter. And that is, okay, so what do I do now, Jason? Okay, I, I gave my life to the Lord. I've met Jesus. I'm following, whatever that is. What do I do now? It's the number one question that I've gotten. And when I think about that question, part of where I go, part of where my mind goes is to this um, idea or to this memory of this little couple, uh, these kids long ago. Yes, there it is. It's me and Mindy back before we got married. Look at those kids. I'll tell you what, I have changed a lot. Mindy still looks pretty much exactly the same. Uh, so funny. And um, I remember when we were in that season of life before we got married that most of our focus was really about the wedding, right? Can we get to the wedding? Can we get to the wedding? And this happens a lot. I've done premarital counseling with a lot of people over the years. I've done a lot of weddings. And what I found more than not is that people are focused on the wedding. Well, we did actually make it to the wedding. There we go. Look at that. Oh, look at that hot lady. I'm telling you what. Uh, we made it to the, to the wedding. But here's the deal. The wedding is kind of like Easter Sunday from the perspective that it's just the starting point. It's just the beginning. It's not the end. And many times we kind of make it the end and then it makes difficulties in our marriage. We do this in different areas of our life too, in work and other places and family. Uh, but this happens a lot in our faith is that we make kind of getting to meet Jesus for the first time the end goal when it's really the beginning of a whole new season, a whole life. Kind of like the difference between a wedding and marriage. People that get to their wedding prepared for marriage are in much, a much better place than people who get to their wedding prepared for just the wedding. And so today we're going to look at uh, Romans chapter 15 where we kind of find ourselves in, in the story with Paul and he kind of picks up on this idea uh, with, with us today. And so it says here in chapter 15 of Romans, starting in verse 14, but I myself 
and fully convinced about you, my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. And I'm just going to pause right there uh, for a second because this is the part where I think Paul is kind of setting up this whole passage that we're going to look at today about what do we do now? What's the next thing? What do I have to learn, do, whatever it is? And he sets it up and he's really starting from this place of this is actually the beginning, right? What it says in Jeremiah chapter 31, when God promises a new covenant, he says, I'm going to write this on your heart and on your mind that you don't need each other to go to each other to have access to me. And that's what Paul is writing to the church in Rome. He's saying, you are exactly those people. Man, isn't it great that when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, fulfilling his promise from generations and generations ago in Genesis 15, that he would offer himself for us not following the covenant, isn't it great that it didn't end right there? That actually it continues on to us being liberated and having direct access to God ourselves, not needing me, not needing John, not needing someone else to have access to God. Oh, it's beautiful. And that's what we really celebrate on Easter Sunday. And so Paul sets us up and, and he kind of continues on. And then he says, okay, but it doesn't stop there. He continues, but I've written more boldly to you in verse 15, but I've written more boldly to you on some points as to remind you because of the grace given to me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Now, here's just a quick thing. Over and over and over again in the scriptures, God talks about remembering. Remembering the reality of who he made us to be. Remembering the reality of where we're at. Remembering the reality of who he is. Remembering, remembering, remembering. And it says that he places some people in different roles, like we talked about in Romans chapter 12, to do some of those things. So yes, I, I don't need you. You don't need me to have access to God, but we need each other. And he places us in different places. And, and I'll just tell you, when I read this, I think, and I'm thankful for John, for our pastor John, right? One of those people who reminds us his leadership during this season has been so good, right? And so God puts us in these different places, in these different roles to remind us and keep us going straight. Because yes, I don't need anyone for access to God, but I do need people, I do need friends to help me steer and redirect sometimes. And so Paul's saying, I'm writing this to you to remind you, to steer you on a few things. I serve the gospel of God like a priest. And back in this time, a priest, what we would think of is a priest was someone who did what God would do, say what God would say. And this is what Paul is saying, I am coming to you like a priest, putting God on display with how I live and what I say so that you, and so it says, so that the Gentiles may become an acceptable offering sanctified by the Holy Spirit. That me, you, putting God on display by the way we live, by the way we speak, helps each of us, as we talked about again in Romans 12, be that offering to God that we're meant to be together continues on and he says, so I boast in Christ Jesus about the things that pertain to God, for I will not dare to speak of anything else except for Christ. Oh, how beautiful is that? What he has accomplished through me in order to bring about the obedience 
of the Gentiles. I will boast only in what God is doing through me and allowing me to be a part of what he's doing, whether it's by word, speaking the truth, whether it's by deed, loving others, loving each other, or if it's in the power of signs and wonders and the power of the Spirit. The truth is God does big, huge, awesome, amazing things sometimes. I don't have any control over that. He does. But I can boast and be excited about and and share the things that God has done in my life. And what Paul is kind of walking us through is maybe part of that first understanding. It was Easter, but now it's time to take a step towards discipleship, towards true growth, true maturity. See, what's happened a lot of times with discipleship is that we've turned it into, I need to learn these certain things or I need to do these certain things to become, be at this place in my faith. But that's not really what Paul is showing. It's showing that we need to grow. We need to mature. I think about, some of you guys know, I'm in a, the end, very end. I'm so excited. I've got four weeks left of my master's in counseling program. Uh, when I'm done, I'll be able to uh, offer counseling services to folks in the community just as another way to, to minister here in our community. And over the course of these last two years, and I'll just tell you, um, students, you might be able to really relate to this, especially maybe even right now. There's been plenty of times where I've walked into the classroom, I've sat down to do my stuff, and I've approached it with this personality of or this perspective of, hey, what do I need to learn so that I can do this? Show me what I need to do or how to do this so I can do this, right? When I look back over the last couple of years, the times that I'm most thankful for is when I walked into class just open. I think about a time, it was about eight months ago, I think, on a Friday night when I went to class, and I walked in and I was tired, I was frustrated, I was dealing with a struggle with one of my family members, and I walked in just open. And in that time, we had the opportunity to kind of break up and, and walk through a little kind of mini counseling session and groups. And some of the people in my class who are like me, trying to learn and grow, were able to help me in a profound way to be able to leave that place freed of some things, to be able to leave that place with a new perspective, a new thankfulness, a new awareness that enabled me to walk back into that relationship in real life and do some things differently and love differently. I think this is the concept, the idea of discipleship that Paul would be pointing us to. It's not tell me what I need to know. It's help me experience. Help me hear. Help me mature. That's why we talk about life groups the way that we do. That's why we try to approach them a little bit different. It's not a teaching that you need to go to every week or every other week. That's why when we talk about reproducible discipleship that we talked about the town hall a couple weeks ago, we're rolling out. I'm really excited this summer. We're going to be rolling that out big time. So if you're interested in joining in on that, even just put in the comments wherever you're listening right now, discipleship, and we're going to add you to the list and we're going to contact you and invite you uh, into that because we're looking at things from a perspective, not of what do I need to learn, but how can I hear, how can I experience, and how can I mature? From that place, Paul shares and continues in the story. He says, So, from Jerusalem, even as far as Illyricum, I have have fully preached the gospel of Christ, 
And in this way, I desire to preach where Christ has not been named, so as not to build on another person's foundation as it is written. Those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Just two quick things on this little part before we get to this last little bit. The message of Jesus, the kingdom, what I see here in Paul, is supposed to spread. It's supposed to move. It's supposed to grow. It's not supposed to be stagnant. Paul, Paul and his posse, as I like to say, because it's Paul and then all these guys with him, but they go, it says, from what it is in modern day understanding, and I just encourage you, maybe open that map in the back of your Bible, pull this up at the lunch table uh, today at lunch and open it up, get on Google Maps, whatever. It's modern day. Paul shares the message of Jesus in truth, in word, in love, in deed, and in signs and wonders in the power of the Holy Spirit from Jerusalem up to Turkey, over to Bulgaria, Greece, Bosnia, Croatia, Hungary. That's just Paul. That's just Paul, right? He's amazing. It's unbelievable what God does in and through him. So that really challenges me when I get to those places of saying, you know what? I've done, I've done my part. I've reached out to my neighbors. I've served at the Hope Center. I've given some things to the Hope Center. I've served with kids, with students, what, whatever that thing is that we've done and we get satisfied with doing. I think one of the things that I love about Paul is he shows us there's so much more to do. Why would I stop with all the things God's allowed me to be a part of and not push into all the places he might want me to go. And here's the deal, guys. If this really is the best news, the greatest news, the maybe the real news, the real truth, if I can dare to say, why would we wait for, would we, uh, you know, donate to, would we vote for someone else to go and share the greatest news that there is. Why? Why would we wait? Why would we not join in with Paul and take that step and go? So Easter has come. It was Easter. Now take the next step to those who have not heard. Move. They're there all around us. And if I may, if I can just take one moment and say this to you, because we live in a world, in a country with generations who have heard the message of Jesus, who have seen a message of Jesus mixed in with politics, greed, right? Discrimination, control, power, mixed with all of that. And they've been left wanting. And I think those are also the people who we could say have not heard that we need to take a step towards. And you know what I know about Jesus? He's never left my soul wanting, ever. And so if you know people who are in that place, I think God might just want to push you to them even more to take a step. Because Jesus' message is not mixed with all that junk. 
Jesus' message is available, ready for everyone. It's the real news, the good news, the true news. Paul continues from this perspective of having our hearts broken that there's people who are not walking with Jesus, who don't know the very best news, don't know the Easter celebration. And he says this, which I find fascinating. He says, this is the reason I was often hindered from coming to you. But now there's nothing more to keep me in those regions. And I have for many years desired to come, where, to, come to you when I go to Spain. For I hope to visit you and I pass as I pass through that you will help me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. Here's this amazing thing about the book of Romans. We've been going through it for a long time together. We've dug into some beautiful theology, some beautiful practical application. Paul's dream is to go to Spain. And Paul thinks that he is writing the book of Romans to prepare the church at Rome to receive him and to be his new kind of sending church to go to Spain, to go to what a Jewish person would have considered the end of the world, the, the place where the world is flat after that, right? The furthest east to go to Spain because he's being obedient to Jesus to go to the ends of the earth right? Spoiler alert, Paul never makes it to Spain. He never goes to Spain. He actually never goes further than Rome. And he goes to Rome in a whole different way than he ever thought that he would. And this is actually an interesting, big part of God's story. All throughout God's story, the people of God think and set dreams up to get to a place that they never get to go to. Abraham never got to see the nations that God had promised him or how those nations would bless the whole world. Moses never got to step over into the promised land. David never got to see the temple that he dreamed of. The prophets who wrote beautifully about the coming Messiah never got to see him or meet him. John the Baptist, who prepares the way, never gets to see what the way looks like. The apostles who wrote about Jesus coming back never got to experience that. In fact, they experience brutality and death for their faith. In fact, I think about those first century martyrs and the apostles a lot, especially when I start to get in this place of feeling like I've done enough, feeling sorry for myself because it's too rough, God pushing me to a place that's a little uncomfortable. They actually motivate me and inspire me to move. And the reason why I think this is really fascinating and important is that the story isn't about the conclusion that Paul thinks, these guys think, we think we're supposed to get to. Maybe I could say it this way. It's not about making it to the wedding. It's the process and the journey, the experience 
along the way. It's this really fascinating paradox of perspective. One perspective might say, hey, Paul thought he was going to go to Spain, so that inspired him to write the, the book of Romans to prepare as that first step. And you're absolutely right. He was faithful and took that first step. But the other perspective would be, God didn't actually call him to Spain. God called him to write the book of Romans. And so did he miss part of what that experience was intended to be because he was focused on something else? I don't know. But what I find is from Easter forward, a lot of times we struggle with, what do I do next? And I think it was Easter, but now we're meant to just be faithful enough to move and humble enough to be wrong. Because all over in the scriptures, the people of faith were wrong about where they thought they were getting to or what they were going to experience. Not wrong about God or about Jesus, but wrong about the goals they set of what that meant or looked like maybe. And so sometimes we get stuck in this place of like, oh man, that seems so far away. I can't even take a step. It's so far away I can never get there. Sometimes we get stuck and we don't do anything because we can't figure it out. We don't, I got to first figure this out and the next step and the next step. And once I figure out the whole plan, then I'll take a step. Thankfully, Paul didn't do that. Some of us, we, we've tried to take that step of faith and we got burned. It didn't go the way that we thought. We got hurt. And so we're afraid to take a step with Jesus. Some people build kingdoms for God without God ever being a part of it. And so miss where God wants them to go. But some people, and I hope we are the people, changed the whole world because they were faithful enough just to take a step with God, whatever that step or next step might have been. I think this actually fits in really well with what marriage looks like. This is what we do in all these areas of our life. We set up the things that we need to get to and we miss what the journey is actually all about. In marriage, this can happen and looks a little bit like this. And I'll just tell you, as I show these pictures, I do want to just take a second. I want to say so that I'm sorry for those of you who are missing out on things right now, who are missing out on your prom or maybe your graduation or a wedding or whatever. I mean, our children's director, Haley, had her wedding canceled and thankfully was able to kind of make do and their family and did something different and they made it happen. That's beautiful. But I'm sorry that you're missing out on some of these things. And I just want you to know that I pray that God will redeem all of this for you. Maybe this is even a little bit of the way that that might look. So we made it to the wedding and then we made it. We started having some kids. And for a lot of us, having kids is kind of one of those next things right there. And sometimes we just kind of set that up as like the next goal for ourselves. And maybe along the process, we, we miss paying attention to their little faces the first time that they walk, the way that they say that word for the very first time, the way that they dig into that birthday cake on their first birthday. Remember that? That, oh, I love it. That sugar rush. Ah, and they look up. It's so good. We might miss some of those things. Maybe miss seeing our spouse caring for. I've, 
these memories of Mindy rocking each of our kids in a rocker, loving them, praying for them, singing over them. And sometimes we just miss those things because we set up the next thing. And maybe it's a, a next anniversary mile marker, like a, our, our fifth anniversary. That's us at our fifth. See, we still look young and, and we're still naive and all those things. Um, but our fifth anniversary and maybe it's, you know, you just get to those things, but you missed how your spouse was your strength and support in changing jobs and losing jobs and getting a new job and all those difficult transitions in life. Maybe you miss the way that her nose crinkles when she's thinking about something. Maybe you miss the way that she smiles awkwardly and inappropriately when at the wrong times when she's embarrassed or uncomfortable. Uh, Maybe you miss some of those things about each other. Maybe you miss how your spouse can actually make you a better person by being able to learn and listen and see life from a different perspective. Maybe we're just trying to get to the next thing, whatever that next thing is. For us, the next thing was our family was complete. We had a little princess named Sarah that we added to the family. And uh, man, from there moving to you know, later on, oh, there's so many things that you can miss if you're just getting to the next thing. You can miss how each of their personality develops and is different and is supposed to challenge us and push us to be different, to be better people. You can miss how a little girl can steal your heart and soften it in a way like no other. You can miss how two little rough, fun, brilliant boys can break your pride. You can miss listening to your children and experiencing what faith actually sounds like and looks like. If you're just in the rush to the next thing, until they all start school, until they drive, until they are out of the house, until the grandbaby arrives, until the house that we want to get, until the job that I really want, until the, bah, whatever the thing is. And this is what we do with life, and this is what we do with our faith. Our most recent milestone was just in November, and it was our 16th anniversary. We got the opportunity to get away, didn't get the chance on our 15th anniversary. And so, um, We got away, and it was beautiful, but from that time to then, if it's just about making it to that point, the things that I would have missed out on are how my family has changed me and impacted me to be more patient and loving and less demanding. How they have experienced true joy and experiencing what it's like to be a cheerleader instead of the participant. That has a lot to do with leadership. I've realized over the course of this time and the times that I haven't got off focus and I've narrowed in that all the things we feel like we need to do, we have to do, we have to get to matter a whole lot less than how we get there who we get there with, and how those experiences and those people 
God has used to transform us into the person that he wants us to be. Jesus didn't die on Easter for you to get to some place that you want to get to. He died on Easter weekend and rose again to give you his spirit so that you can know him and be the person that he made you to be, walking out an amazing adventure and journey with him. That is what we do next. Because the book of Romans isn't about Paul making it to Spain. The book of Romans was about Paul writing the book of Romans that he's used to transform generation after generation after generation for almost 2,000 years. Let us not be the people that miss that God is at work in the whole process. Some of the times, maybe even most of the time, God, what God might be up to are the things that we think are throwaway text, a throwaway phone call, a quick little hello with the neighbor, a little conversation. That might be the thing that God actually wants us to do, to just move, to just be faithful, to just trust him, and to just celebrate the things that we get to experience him to do. The process is actually the plan, not the place we're trying to get to. So what do we do after Easter? We'd be the hope of the world by being who God called you to be, to grow, to have your heart broken for the people around us, and to move even if we don't know where that place might be, or even if, if it's different than what we might expect. It was Easter now, but don't miss the journey with Jesus. I've spent too many times in my life, and I've met too many people in my life that have missed out on what God wanted them to do because they were not walking out the daily, faithful, humble journey with Jesus. That is what he would say is the next thing that he has for you. That's the, what do I do now, Jason? What do I do now? So I just want to invite you right there in your home, maybe even just close your eyes right for a minute. Be honest with the Lord. What have your eyes been focused on? What do you need to be recentered to Jesus with? Maybe it's the very first time. Easter should happen all the time. People should meet Jesus and we should celebrate death being raised to life all the time. Maybe it's the first time and you just say, Jason, I've never focused myself. I've never given myself to Jesus. I'm not even pretending to follow him. But you know what? I'm going to give it a try. Jesus, I need you. Maybe you're past that point. You've gotten stuck somewhere in the process. You're stuck and you feel like, gosh, what, where am I? What am I supposed to do? What, ah! Maybe right now is the moment as we worship and we sing 
for just a few more minutes to say, God, help me. I've been focused on this thing, these things, and remove that from my focus and help me make you my focus. Maybe we've said things or we've thought things like, well, when the quarantine ends then, Maybe we've been stuck on the sideline because we don't think we're enough. We've been hurt before. We've tried before. We just haven't made it. Haven't made it. Maybe right now is the time to share the stories about what God is doing and has done in your family, in your neighborhood. Maybe now is the time to reach out, to connect, to grow, to ask God, God, show me who are those that have not heard. Let Maybe like John has talked about a lot of times, we just need to stop and pray and say, Lord, include include me. What do you have for me, Jesus, instead of what I think I need you to get me to? Take a moment right now and just be honest with the Lord right where you are about that as we sing and we worship celebrate our God who doesn't leave us in these places but who continues to pursue 